Ready, Mae? Can you hear that yeah. through my headphones? Uh-huh. If you want to put those on, you can. Um, I'm not. Yeah. What you know about going out? Is this the one? Not getting volume. Just turn the volume up. You're, they're not broken. They're not broken. No, they're broken because um, it just gave me the crackle. We, the crackle, crackle. It's it's not broken. It's not broken. But I I just want to let you know I have not completely forgotten at all about getting us a new Friday song. In fact, I have a couple of options. But since we have oh. a guest here today. We'll, we'll keep it uh, for next time. And, and I only have one set of headphones. I would have been happy to get... Uh, I want Ke- Alex to have input. Fair enough. But so. Kevin is an objective observer, and his input is would be valuable, especially because he has really good taste in movies. Mm, I could see that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin <laughs> Kevin so Fong uh, from The Zoo. What is your title there? Uh, inclusion Strategy Coordinator okay. for the Toledo Zoo. Uh, Kevin was a recent guest on the other po- podcast that I host for the Ability Center, 68 Words. Uh, we are going to talk nothing about what he does there. We'll get some zoo things because sure. I don't want to double up content. Um, and I think through the first 10 minutes of your visit here, you see what you have walked into. Um there's a lot of chaos, but you know what? <laughs> I, I, I think I, it's, I, it's controlled yeah. chaos, and I think I'm used to it. Thank you. Of all the environments that I've walked into, especially Absolutely. being a TSA grad, too. Absolutely. Which the school thrives off chaos. And that was the key reason why I wanted you to, to come to this podcast, because we're big TSA fans. And then did I, did you comment on the picture that I posted or did I think Kevin said he went to TSA and then I asked you who I was with? And then all I you did picture. was send me a picture. Oh, and then you said Fongus. of this man over here, and you, I was like Fongus in all caps. Okay. And then you were like, "Oh, you know him?" And I was like, "Do I know him?" <laughs> do well, I know? I do expect you to know all. The, do, you, do you think you know like all TSA graduates? Uh, I wouldn't say all, most. 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 What, what year did I graduate, Bethany? Because you mix this up every single time that I see you. Fifteen. That's the first time that you've ever gotten it right because there's been so many times that I've walked in and you're like, you don't go to school here anymore? Or didn't you graduate like 10 years? You, it's you, it's a wide range. Listen, for those of you that need a visual, um, Fungus has a full, full head of luscious hair and a full beard. And he had that in freshman year, I think. Yeah, eighth grade year, I, I came in with the shaggy stubbles. So, so I had, like, at no point did you look like you were a even beard. a student. That's fair. I'll uh, take that. We have another guest. Uh, if you hear, uh, what are we listening to in the in the back? Uh, background? We're watching Gabby's Dollhouse. Okay, it's a fan favorite. Maddie is here today, so I was expecting to really be googly eyed about having Kevin here to visit, but he's a notch below Maddie. So we have we have Maddie for the first time on the podcast. Um, I can talk about this more easily now, and I'm glad that Bethany brought it up because I was, and you touched on it when on our visit to the Ability Center. I was in incredibly confused but you alluded to things like this when i when i looked you up i saw that you were uh 25 years old and you have a really i'm 25 sorry to make you feel that old now (laughs) you have a very high profile position and i was not a, a very uh prestigious position i was not expecting someone so young to have that position and I don't be mean to be an ageist, but then it all came together when you said you've been in the zoo since you were like Maddie's age. Right. And I'm by no means was I was saying you were underqualified. Sure. And then you showed up and I'm like, this dude is not 25 years old. <laughs> he doesn't look 25. In a good way. Not like, so, you know, I'm not I, saying you look old. For anybody that doesn't know me, I do have like 
thousands of gray hairs mixed into it. So I do have so the salt and pepper look so at a quarter of a century now, too. So, I, you know, I get it. But, yeah, it's been over. I know that we talked about it in that podcast where it's probably been about half half of my entire life I've been at the zoo in some form or capacity. So, yeah. You know, when people talk about it, like, oh, it's a second home away from home. I I think I've spent enough nights there being, you know, working on zoo snoozes and whatnot. It's, too, a, so that it's an actual be, home. Your home home yeah. is your second mm-hmm. home. Yeah. Um, I, I, Bethany will back me up on this. Never listen to what I say, especially when I'm like one last question. But I said we weren't going to talk about your job. But I do have a question that since we're talking about your age, when... And maybe you haven't gotten to this yet. Maybe that we don't have like DEI conventions or, or, or whatnot. But when you meet contemporaries of people who are in your position, are you often the youngest? Yes, I, I, I would say so. I, I, there's not really much comparison to, to go through. I mean, there are plenty of DEI professionals within the city of Toledo. And whenever we meet with one another, yeah, I, I am the youngest. Um, but that's typically in a lot of other settings, too. That's not just for DEI. I think most office jobs... You know the people that I'm talking to. They're a couple couple years older. Yeah. A couple years older. Okay. All right. All right. No more talking about it. Uh, <laughs> about your job there. Um. Tell tell me TSA stories because you, again, um, there is a a culture, there is a a vibe that TSA people have that, um, uh, and it's because of who the school attracts and who it develops. Tell me your your TSA stories. I mean, how how all of them. All of them. I'll just go for it. Yeah, last week. Do you, do you know uh, Steve Kiesling at all? He runs Toledo Animal Rescue. Uh, good friend of Gerke. Uh Bethany knows him, and He's buddy. I said, "All right, well, give me your Gurky stories." And he refused, probably because of some kind of <laughs> blackmail Gurky has on it. Yeah, and, and mean, they would be vile and very adult, even for this podcast. I don't. I don't think I have any dirt on Gurky myself. Doesn't be dirt. But no. It. it I, my favorite Dave Gerke story, yeah. if we have to go about that, Let's is go. I was heading down for lunch and he saw me and he was like, Fongus, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going down to lunch. And then he just kind of stared at me and I kind of stared back at him because I didn't know if there was going to be another question or anything else. And he was like, okay. Something about Dave Gerke, I feel like I've never seen him button his one middle <laughs> no. dress shirt it's button. Always it's always unbuttoned. It's always unbuttoned. So in that awkward silence, I asked him like, Dave, do you know that that button's always open? And he's like, yeah, I leave it open because it allows me to scratch my stomach easily. <laughs> he's not wrong. I, that sits with me every single day. I think about that every single time I go to bed. You know, is it wisdom? At least is it's it always wisdom? an undershirt. <laughs> yeah, is it? It's not, like, it's not like that button's open just to like right. the, the woolly mammoth that is underneath. <laughs> like there's an undershirt, so there's at least a protective layer. I'm surprised that that didn't didn't throw you into therapy uh, at a young age. You know, I, I I think a lot of things with Dave Gerke, you have to wonder if what he's telling you is so calculated that it's just pure wisdom that you're supposed <laughs> to take with you for the rest of your life, or if it's just that that is legitimately what crossed his brainwaves at that point, yeah. and then he's just letting you know that that's what he was thinking too. Sometimes it's both. That's why it, it keeps me up at night. I don't know which one that is. Is yeah. it smart? Excellent analysis. Like, is this the Buddha or should this guy be perhaps like struggling with homelessness on the street people, and, and he needs his own type of therapy? People have referred to him as their shaman. I get it. He is. They they have called him the shaman. Aaron Pickens. Do you remember Aaron Pickens? Yeah. Tad bit. He called Gerke the shaman. I believe it. I believe it. Maybe, Kevin, maybe you're onto something. Maybe 
Gerky is calculated and to some students he gives helpful insight other ones he gives like fake insight seeing if they will follow it he's a, he's a brilliant man we're the ones that have to decipher it yeah i don't there's something special about having a lot of tsa memories with dave Gerky too you know i i'll never forget you know the man that invented the french tuck before the french tuck was you know, very stylish. What's having the French the one, tuck? The, only, the only one side of your shirt is tucked in. Right. The other one is oh, flapping in the breeze. He perfected that before it was even famous, before it was on any show of that regards to fashion, or even before TSA had a fashion department, that man was rocking it. Like but there's, he, there's, we obviously have spirit days, or spirit weeks, and one of the days is dressed like Dave Gerke Day, and we have a picture of like the majority of the staff with with the one tail the one shirt tail in one shirt tail out the backwards can go yes you know unbuttoned middle button yeah he, he it's, are, a, it's a vibe this is probably a little too old of a reference for you kevin but maybe not bethany but like he has arguably popularized and continued the kangle more than ll cool j for sure in the midwest <laughs> he's the ll cool j of the midwest i i like it um so when when Bethany responded in capital letters, fungus, um, you're F O N G. You are of mixed heritage, right? Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, I am Irish and Chinese. Interesting. Split down the middle. Uh, which one is which when it comes to your parents? So my mom is Irish. My dad is is Chinese. Is he from China? He is not, uh, but his family did come over. I know that he was one of the first that were born in America, and they came straight to Toledo. They opened up a restaurant. Um, there's a, there, I have a lot of family members, and yeah. What restaurant? I can't ever remember the name of it. I know that it has a PBS documentary. Okay. Maybe I should remember it a little bit more, but nobody ever really talks about it. I didn't, yeah. you know, my sister and I didn't really even find out that that was a thing until we saw the PBS documentary and we were like, Dad, You're like, hello. W- there was a picture of him in the documentary. I'm like, isn't, isn't that you? And he was like, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's not a detail you want to share with me throughout your entire life. That seems pretty significant, but, you know, dads can be secretive, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, Fungus, and I don't want to linger on this. I, I, but I do want to know, we unfortunately all get teased when we're, we're kids. It sends some of us to therapy or or even as adults. Were there a lot of nicknames or was it just Fongus? It was just Fongus. Okay. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't even remember who started it. Did your mom work in the office before you were a student or were you a student? No, no, no. I was a student came? and then she worked in the office okay. and then she left and then came back as a teacher. So right. I, I don't really know when Fongus started. Uh-uh. I, I uh, had, we might we might have even called your mom fungus at one point. That that might have been the case, and it just and then it just trickled over. down to you. Did but, any student dare call her Mrs. Fungus and then just like get the back of the hand? Well, no, because I don't think the students called her fungus. <laughs> I think that was like us and admin. I, okay, <laughs> all right, all right. Um, you you don't get a, a nickname at TSA that's not like not a loving like it's always a loving nickname. Yeah, it's it's not out of any uh, animosity. It's it's always endearing. But you know, I I I've lived with Fongus for a lot of my times, and so every single time I see anybody from the admin office, it's always the same and same inflection. It's always like Fungus. It's you got the prolonged end to it. Like a '90s movie character. Yeah. Uh, uh, who is the one carrying the baby in uh, The Hangover? Like that guy, the Zach Galifianakis oh, character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
it's back to your job a little bit where um, you we're moving away from especially the professional culture of like blue humor um and there's a there's a fine line between i think um bullying and and good-natured teasing that can create some chemistry with people um so how does that work for you what do you see in uh personal culture friendships but professional culture as well when it comes to teasing like there might be a a 14 year old kid named Bob Fong, and if somebody called him, he would never be named Bob. Um, uh, Chet Fong. He Chet. might not like Fongus no matter how much it is supposed to be endearing. So where where are you with that? What do you see, especially like with what you do? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, it always comes to a point you know, where personal preference is is probably what has to reign supreme with anyone else. Obviously, there's going to be those fine lines that you should just never cross where it's going to offend pretty much everybody, but I think even with being at school and administration and, and, and being called fungus, it, you know, it, it obviously came from a source of endearment. And then there were po- there were points where, you know, people would ask, like, are you OK with that? Because obviously, if you're not. Stop. Stop. Exactly. So, you know, I've seen in a professional standpoint um, and again, I'm, I'm very early into my career. So I think what people would have seen even six years ago is incredibly different from what I see now, but people are much more considerate. I think for a long time, people were always really scared to have discussions about whether or not somebody got offended. Now, obviously with, with internet culture, you know, you see a lot of these prominent standpoints, but again, you have to remember that those are very prominent. I'd say that in a day-to-day basis, what I see typically in an office, um, especially with a younger generation being around the zoo teens or or kids at TSA again, um, you know, they're very okay with having conversations about whether or not somebody has been hurt or harmed by something that they said. And it's not the half baked apology that you sometimes see. Like, I'm sorry, I made you feel that way, but it doesn't actually acknowledge that you made that person feel pretty terrible. Right. Um, so I'd say that I've seen a, a switch in culture, especially with younger generations where they are having those conversations and, you know, asking what those preferences are before they decide to, I guess, explore the waters is the best way mm-hmm. to put it before they start making, um, jokes. But, you know, even then we still don't really see too many jokes that cross that line anymore. Good. Um, I would guess most places of, of reasonable claim have lots of. DEI and other kinds of training we've had I just had to finish up a, a second phase of it and to be quite honest I can tell some of the older white men if any still exist in my company especially more advanced in age will be baffled and maybe even insulted by some of these training things but it's just it's just very candid and forthcoming and it's it's necessary and needed and I'm sorry that we had to have these lessons but better it's been too late, but it's been nice to see. But I'm curious to see what kind of pushback it gets from certain employees. Oh, certainly. And and you see a lot of difference in mentality where I think before, not really I think, it, it, it was established that where, we're, where people would say, well, you can't really say how you feel. We can't have these discussions. Oh, be quiet about that because, you know, it, it goes into a, a deeper dive. When that's really sort of created such a larger issue where if we're not having these conversations or we're just sweeping it under the rug, we haven't really made any progress on it. 
And I think that's what's been so incredible. I mean, that goes into a whole other tangent where a lot of people don't give um, teenagers the benefit of the doubt when it comes to their intelligence. But what I've noticed is a lot of teenagers, they know that, that we have to have those conversations and they're going ahead of it. They don't they know that those are going to be difficult, that they're going to be stressful. And for somebody that has lived their entire life that has seen that, that is difficult to have those conversations because they, I think it brings up a lot of different emotions that they've had to grapple with throughout their entire life. But since they've never talked about it, they don't know how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So having that ability to help ease somebody into it and understand you know, what systemic racism is, what is privilege? Everybody has privilege, but what does privilege mean for you? Um, you have to you have to have the conversation. You have to put your ego aside. Like you can't mm-hmm. your your ego can't get in the way of a you learning and growing, and b shutting off someone that's trying to be their authentic self and explain why and and how they feel. Like it, it, it's not about you in in the way that they're not they're not. I don't think anyone's trying to personally attack each other. I think the conversations need to be open and about everyone and about moving forward so that everyone has the knowledge base to to be able to continue. I mean, I think it 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 just comes down to communication and knowledge and information and it's not it's not a personal attack. You know, unless unless you personally unless say something is. to then, somebody, then it's bullying and what right. we talked about initially. Right, but I'm I'm saying like in a group setting, in an office setting, like you can't you take can't take things personally, and you just have to be open. You have to be open. You have to be willing to constantly learn and change and grow as a human being. Something that struck me, a lot of things struck me about our conversation. One thing that I keep coming back to, um, I was stunned, but. Um, I admired the fact that you think so highly of people younger uh, uh, than you and your intellect because there's kind of like a, a constant cycle of you think people younger than you don't know what they're talking about. And there's a there's a perfect nexus that we can't seem to achieve in, in a lot of places. And this is before like COVID turned the world upside down because... Older people have experience. They can navigate certain professional politics that, that can be harder for younger people because I know it. I, I didn't understand the office politics. I'm like, why can't we just do this? It's a great idea. Well, there's there's certain things that we have to protocols and whatnot. And I wish more places could find the balance of uh, younger people listening to the experience, good and bad, that older people have and older people listening to younger people who are more willing to be often creative and take risks. And if we can put those together... You have a lot of unstoppable places, whether it's on the field, in the office, or friendships. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that hits on a point exactly where you're, you're talking about the benefits of what DAI can can bring. If you can find that middle, and you can have all these different perspectives come together, you know, everybody from their background, from their knowledge point, from what you know helped shape them and who they are. That's when you can really get creative and understand a lot of complex issues that go on, whether that's through a business or through a school for anything, the more minds that you have together, the better off you are. And we can see that so many, you know, in different ways throughout, not even just, I, I think, society with humans, but, you know, at, work at a zoo, you know, biology, all those different things. But, I mean, look at it through biology. 
what are some of the best ecosystems that you have? And it's because all those ecosystems have taken in very diverse plant life, animal life, different things, and they work together. They make it cohesive. It works well. Um, so I think whenever, yes, you need to get in those situations and have a culmination of different people so that way you can have that array of perspectives to build something better and not just for one person. Because if you have a room full of, you know, like-minded people, what are you really accomplishing? Right. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're trying to create things for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And you're not including them. How do, where do you where do you get with that? I'm I'd be fascinated to know who were your interactions with these teenagers that gave you such confidence in in their intellect and, and input. Um, because there are a lot of te teenagers who do dumb shit and eat glue. Um, oh sure, you got you got to experiment some ways. You know, I, I think that's a part of your youth. You 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 try to figure out what you can get away with and right. all that, but. Um, do you have any kids that you have come across and they have like given you like an, oh, wow, I didn't think about, think about that kind of moment? Nobody in particular, but I, going back to a lot of the experiences that I've had with the zoo team program at the zoo um, and then just kids at TSA too. I think what is unique about both of those programs and, and the school itself is that it's allowed for that creative mind, that creative thought. And like you said, people from all over. People from it's not, all over. It's not the, you know, the kids aren't living in the same neighborhood, in the same district. We're pulling from 30 different school districts. So, mm -hmm. again, it's, you know, minds of people from all different walks of life that come together to, to problem solve. But I think what's even more important is that what TSA and what the Zoo Team Program has done for, for kids in their youth, you know, that's a pivotal point of somebody's life, 13 to 18 you were learning so much. You were a sponge at that point, taking in everything that you can to help set yourself up for the next, I mean, what, kids kids younger than me now are probably going to live until, like, they're 110, what? So, they, you know, <laughs> a lot of different... That's, an, that's, a, that's a can of worms right now, Kevin. Yeah, it, you know, it. what TSA and what the Zoo Team program has done that I've seen consistently is they've allowed those kids to have a voice for who they are and become advocates for themselves and determine what they want for their future. You want to try that? Sure, by all means. Let's give you all the resources that you need to succeed in that area. And if you don't like it, you don't do well, sure, let's try something else. It's always allowed for that creative freedom in that sense to empower a lot of the folks that come through those programs. Um, and it helps really have that individual create the image of who they want to be and see that much, much sooner than anybody else. And I say that being 25, you know, I get that. And I was both a Zutina and a, and, and a graduate mm -hmm. of TSA. So, you know, maybe I'm a little biased, but it's the same pattern that you see happen over and over again. And you see all these, these folks that come through these programs that do something, you know, really incredible because they take that same mentality. I can do this, I can do that. How do I get the resources? Because they've learned all those tools there mm -hmm. and they can, you can just really excel with a lot of that. And part of that is the adults running those programs being able to, I don't want to say give up power, but you have to identify the fact that you have to give kids a safe space where they can experiment, make mistakes, or grow instead of holding their hand and saying, this is how we're going to do this. Like, fall in line. We know the answers. This is how you do it. This is the way it goes. 
well, no, maybe it's not the way it goes. And and letting them have ownership in in the program and experimenting. Because I, I know a lot of kids are like, well, I go to college and then we have all these opportunities, but I already had those opportunities as a zoo team or at TSA. Like, you know, college is usually when you start to kind of allow them to be their own person, but they can start that earlier. They can mm-hmm. let them make those mistakes, give give them a safe environment where, yes, you give them guidelines and kind of help them along, but let them make let them make decisions. Let them let them make choices. Let them teach you. I mean, us as adults, we need to be lifelong learners. We can't just get to a point in adulthood and say, oh, I have it figured out. Now I'm going to go teach somebody else how to do that. Well, that's not the case. You need, you need to learn and grow together. You need to give them guidance in the best way that you know how, but let them teach you something. I have a question because you talked about 13, 18 year olds. And over the last couple of summers, um, last year, there were a lot of activities to keep kids busy. And I don't think the city did a good enough job about getting the word out that Mm. kids who were off all summer, um, there were things to do. Kids without things to do. Uh, and I'll come to that fork in a road, fork in the road in a minute. It was a better job this year, in fact, as Bethany can attest to. There was arguably too many partners, too many things to do. Um, and I asked a friend yesterday who was part of the meal programs for these, and she said well, there weren't as many kids as they had, they had hoped. And with what we've endured the last couple of years, thirteen to eighteen, for people like us. If we screw up, it means we're managing at a target. If we do well, we make the most of our opportunities that we have. But a lot of the kids that I'm talking about are those kids that if they screw up, they wind up in a gang and their life expectancy is 23 years old. If they can get the route, they can get beyond that life because, you know, one of the things mm-hmm. I've learned in the last couple of years of listening is the zip code means so much. Mm-hmm. Um do not so much TSA, but we can talk about that. But w- with the zoo, because you're the the teen program, you're so passionate about it. Go listen to the sixty eight words podcast for that, <laughs> for the origin of that. How can Junction neighborhood kids, North Toledo kids, Lagrange kids, who are probably black and poor, um, can they be involved in those programs? And I know there's a transportation issue, but I'm sure this, if you've never thought about it, and I'm sure that's something that would be a goal of yours to involve those kids, not just a bunch of white kids from Sylvania or West Toledo who can get there and their parents are just keeping them busy. Yeah, I mean, what you always try to do is you always try to create as much access for everybody as much as possible, but it takes a lot of that listening. You know, you need to listen to communities to see what they specifically need in those circumstances to reach those resources, those tools. Because if you're not, then you're just creating them and nobody's taking effect of it. What's the point of that? Mm-hmm. You know, you're just wasting your own resources and you feel like you're just spinning your wheels. So it does take a lot of that active listening, which I know we've we've talked about a lot, but... Um, I think when it comes to resources and making them more readily available, a lot of people do have access to internet nowadays, whether that's at school. Schools have gotten much better about Mm -hmm. providing that. Libraries have gotten much better about providing that. Um, But the onus also comes on a lot of the organizations that are creating these opportunities for people. You need to go out and talk to people and actively listen, not talk listen, write it down, come back to it, put a pen into it. No, you need to actively listen and take in the opportunities and and see what is in front of you before you even start to act. So a lot of it is having to go out and have the onus and, um, you know, I guess holding yourself accountable to make sure that you are, you're going beyond what you have known as your normal, because what you know as your normal may not be 
the same normal for anybody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. You didn't answer my question though. <laughs> I didn't answer your question though. Um, but can't, can't you like let, cause the zoo program, if, even if you just heard this and not our 68 words podcast, you're passionate about the zoo program. It's an incredible program. It helped thrust you to where you are to this prestigious position. Um, again, is there a way for a junction kid to get involved in the program? Like, let's say that they don't have transportation or something. Um, can can kids who might get left behind because of their zip code? I know they can be a part of it. And you welcome mm -hmm. them. But is there a way to make it more, as accessible as possible to them? So that's what we're trying to build up. We're trying to build it up so that way we can have those opportunities. That if transportation is something that is keeping somebody from becoming a zoo teen regularly, you know, what can we do? You know, we have the yeah. ADAPT program that's within there that helps um, for accessibility for people with disabilities. But how can we branch beyond that? Because a lot of people are going to need accommodations, disabled mm -hmm. or non-disabled. So what can we do? And again, that's where it comes into the part where, you know, you do have to do a lot of the active listening and the own recruitment on your own end. Um, because something that you are offering may not be wanted by somebody. So we have to go out and also talk but yes that is something that we're doing in line with everything else that we have for deai deai to help improve because we do realize the importance of the zoo team program what that has provided in terms of opportunities for other people um, and what that trajectory can look like you know that's where we're listening right now that's what we're trying to create Good. Uh, what drew you to TSA? Where, where'd, you, where'd you grow up and what drew you to TSA? So I grew up around start. Um, so I went to Larchmont Elementary and kind of just loved music, loved art, all those different things. Um, but it always left me a little bit bored. Sure, I like learning. I, I, I legitimately do love learning. Like I, I read... Uh, I got made fun of because I read calculus books off to the side because I, I just was interested in how to do calculus in, in like sixth grade. But, you know, I, it always left me bored because there wasn't much creativity. It always was the teacher saying, hey, this is what we're going to do today. Do today. Finish your homework. You bring it the next day. Yada, yada. And it's the same monotony over and over again. Um, then we heard about a school called Toledo School for the Arts. Um, when I was looking into it when my mom had first started about it. It was still not really widely known. It was it was just a little random school downtown that nobody really knew about um, and enrolled there because it allowed the opportunity for me to access arts, sort of tap into that creativity. And um, all throughout my sixth grade year, I think that made a heck of a difference because I wasn't I wasn't a bad student. But also at the same time during elementary, like I wouldn't turn in my homework because I just I hated doing it. Right. There was nothing creative with it. And I just was right. slacking in, in class and wasn't doing really well with grades. And then boredom is dangerous when you're a kid. Oh, incredibly, because you know what? Kids are creative and then they try to create that own cre creativity on their own in not a safe place. Right. Um, so when that first sixth, sixth grade year at TSA, when I had started, it allowed me to have that access to arts and, and really... Um, really, really did incorporate uh, arts integration into what your typical curriculum would be. And it just tapped into that creativity and allowed for a lot of a lot of growth. And I started doing homework. I started doing better in class. Um, so that's what initially drew me in is just the access to arts. And then once I got it, it just kind of ran with it. Who was your favorite teacher? My favorite teacher. What, like all throughout yeah. TSA? Yeah, like the one that... Maybe the one that you were just like 
that they had that that vibe, that Gurky vibe, or maybe the one that was like an indelible part of your life who left the biggest mark on you. It could they don't they could be the same person. They could be two different people. Oh gosh. You get nothing but hard questions here. I know. <laughs> One, I don't want to create dead space for you on your podcast. No, it's by all means. Bad, but dead bodies, dead, po- dead space. Yeah. You know, Happy Halloween. There are so many influential teachers that I've had at TSA, and it, it really is hard to pinpoint. You know, if I had to go through grade to grade, I know I had people in specific, um, you know, classes like, Mr. Thomas in science kind of always encouraged me to just not accept everything. He Obviously, you have the things that are tested, tried, and true, but whenever we got to experiments, he was always like, but why? But why? Like the little kid that's always asking you why, why? but because he kept on egging me on, it, it, it helped me find my own path and own, I guess, sort of ability to critically think for myself. There's people that have had in music where Rob Desmond, I, you know, just there's a certain point that I feel like you get bored with the craft, even if you really, really do love it. You just become stagnant with it. And, you know, Rob Desmond, I think when I joined GCS was just able to, you know, throw a new type of passion into my passion for music. And that was incredibly important. Um, Mr. Longacre in English. I didn't like reading. I really did hate reading. I, you know, I was always a person that would like skim through and write the notes and then same. just get to do yeah, the I'm same. But Cliff Notes got me through a lot of English. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. This, if anybody knows him, Mister Longacre, Justin Longacre has this beautiful ability to turn boring literature into something incredible. Yeah. Dante's Inferno. Throw <laughs> that in front of any like 16, 17. I don't even care. You just name it. Anybody at any age, you throw Dante's Inferno in front of them. They're going to be like, what is this? Why, why am I reading this? But the way that he taught it, he was like, guys, I know. Just read it. Just think of it as fan fiction that this man, this philosopher is just fed up with a lot. And he's just writing his fan fiction, running around with his favorite person that he could think of. Loved it. Hooked on Dante's Inferno. It's crazy. Or, you know, even a book like Winesburg, Ohio. Um, it's a really good book. It's not a boring book. I, I would say that everybody should read it. Um, you know, it, it talks about having this one person being the connector for an entire town worth, town's worth of people um, and showcasing each individual live. I think that helped build a lot of perspective that I've taken to this day where you know, the person that you're sitting across from, whether it's a random person at a coffee shop that you're not actually sitting at the table with, but they have their own life. I think Winesburg, Ohio does an excellent job in the way that Mr. Longacre taught that book, helped you develop a great deal of empathy and understanding and building perspective for that other person that, yes, maybe they're being mean to you right now, but think back to the reason why maybe they were being mean to you in that moment. Was it something that built up to it? Is that not truly who they are at the core of um, whatever that person is? Uh, so I would say just a handful. Those were those were people that had left a really uh, you know huge impact on me. And Gurky too. I, I won't make them mad, but and everybody in the admin office because <laughs> there was a point where I would walk into the admin office and I would be like, I, I don't know what to do, and then they would be all be like, Oh, I'll help you. So you know, it's it. it it's a large collection of people, but those are those are probably some of the highlights that I would. Gurky is marrying down. you. 
Gerky is marrying me and my fiance. What's going on with that? Um, <laughs> when's the wedding? We? So, Deborah, my fiance, we both went to TSA. We both played in GCS. Glass uh, City Steel. Glass City Steel. Yes, sorry, acronyms for anybody that doesn't know what GCS is. Um, so, how can I describe our wedding? Happy fun days at TSA is probably legitimately over half the people that are going to this wedding have been involved with TSA in some way or capacity. And the other half, the other other half is just family members and then people that are at the zoo. So, so, <laughs> so it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, a, it's a TSA, reunion. yeah, TSA reunion. Yeah, it basically is. I mean, you know, everybody, yeah. Over half the people are going to be TSA individuals. And we raised you up. You, we raised yeah. you up raised together. Me, you raised me to be the person that I am today. As and little I know... billboard wheeling yeah. percussion. Did you play violin or viola? I played violin. Violin. It's very hard to find people that play the viola. I know. I was never pressured into playing viola. Is but that... I know if the opportunity came, they would be like... Here's this instrument. What's the, is the viola the big one or is that a cello? Um, cello the, is the bigger that's, one. That's the bigger one. Imagine... Taking a violin and a cello and meshing them together Had a baby. and then telling you to put it on your chin. And then, by the way, you're not going to read treble or bass clef. You're going to read something completely different that you will have never have read. And only really choir people are going to read it outside of you. So have fun with that. There's no really good acronyms to learn to help you with that music. And then. Cool. Okay. You do you do with what you but- do. Everybody needs a viola and a quartet. So, uh, yeah. Fun fact: I used to the side gig that I had. I would always play weddings with a whole bunch of people, and then our viola player left for L.A. And now we have no quartet because mm-hmm. we don't know who to find for our viola player. So, if you're a viola player, yeah, we have nothing hit to us do. Up. <laughs> so, can't you just be a, be a trio? You can be a trio, but is it it's as, not as fun? Full. Yeah, it's, got it. You know, it you don't get the violas as much as much crap as they get. For being like, oh, you're not a useful instrument. They're a useful <laughs> instrument. You know, they, they provide that extra layer of sound that, you know, glues it all together. I guess. Like people that don't think you need an oboe. Yeah. Like, you need an oboe. Yeah, you need an oboe to tune up the viola. band. Who, who else can hit that That's B right. flat to tune My up the My sister plays the oboe. I know. I know how important it is. I hear about it all the time. Uh, so how did. So so Gerky, is, is he ordained? Can he you, is. Gerky married me. Okay. Uh, he's marrying. My friend Lindsay and her fiance Brad, Brad Scherzer, Lindsay Williams. I'm sure you've seen them at art festivals. Um, they're getting married tomorrow and he is performing their wedding as well. So. so, so did you ask him? Did he like pull you aside and go, you know, you're making a big mistake? I should do this. Um, he didn't try to tell me to not, but I did. I, I was the one that asked him to ordain us. Awkwardly enough, walking into his office. <laughs> Him staring at me like fungus, and I'm just kind of staring back at him, and I'm like, "Hey, I got a question for you." And he's like, "Okay, <laughs> man of philosophy." Yeah, <laughs> but doesn't often say for much sure. all the time. But you know, just kind of staring back, and I was like, "Hey, can you, Deb and I are getting married? It would be an honor if you could ordain us. If you could, if you could be the one that gives us those words of wisdom <laughs> to keep us together for the rest of our eternity." Um, and he was like, "Sure." But then I've also heard stories from other people that are like, yeah, you just got to make sure that you really let him know what the date is. Otherwise, he might forget. <laughs> hey, so- hey, hey. Let me, let me tell you a little story about Gerky marrying people. <laughs> so I thought it was going to be a fantastic idea for him to marry us. And he did a beautiful job. But the follow through 
is where he struggles. Um, so we were like five days into our honeymoon and I got a random Facebook message from somebody that works the grounds crew at the place that I got married because they found our marriage license in a bush <laughs> with a tire mark on it. <laughs> and I texted him and I said, um, did you take that? Cause he had to like sign it and take it to the courthouse. I vaguely remember this story. He said, I, I go, did you, did you take care of that? Cause he said he was going to do it Monday morning and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I got it. I was like, really? You, you're, you're sure? Like, you, you took that piece of paper and filed it with the courthouse. Oh yeah, yeah, I got you. I was like, funny because somebody from uh, the, the grounds crew uh, has it, and it's damaged. Uh, so if you could drive to BG and pick that up, that would be great. So uh, when he turned sixty and we had a roast for him, I told that story in a in a lengthy way, and it was pretty funny. He is, but uh, if, if everything was fine. You just maybe don't want to put him in charge of that. Like maybe you we'll you take care of your own marriage license. Yeah. As a yeah. as a, a fellow creative, I too am good with vision and poor with follow through and detail. So I can completely understand. Okay. Yeah. Uh hold on, I just have to add a couple of songs here. Don't worry about me. Um does does he charge for this? No. Yeah, we haven't gotten into those details, so uh, you know maybe maybe it'll be a firm handshake and a Pizza Hut coupon. Who knows? I'm... Just give him a bottle of Mount Gay, and he'll be fine. I'm sorry, what? Mount Gay. What it's is his that? Favorite. It's rum. Okay. It's his favorite rum. Okay. Um, I want to talk about uh one one news topic. It's not news. Have you followed and by? Kevin, you're more than welcome. That's what I wanted to have here. When, when we have our guests, you're invited to talk about what we talk about sure. now that we've grilled you about your life and the origins of Fungus and some restaurant on PBS. <laughs> um, have you followed this Tom Brady story? Uh, so I heard that he's got a little trouble in paradise, but that's all That's all I got was that they were they were so fighting. As a as a happily, mostly happily married woman who might have tried to kill... we have, we have to, I have to ask you about Josh falling off the ladder mm, to make sure he's mm-hmm. okay. And Kevin, you're about to get married. So this is what I always kind of sniffed out all along. To to do the short version of this, Tom Brady, very good football player, about 44, 45 years old. Before, I think, the beginning of last year, he said, this is it. I am retiring. Right. Or whatever it was. Um, we, he, I think he might have said he was going to play till 50. He takes great care of his body, blah, blah, blah. He retired. And then it was a Sunday night, a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl. And I'm back. Um, and I mean, I did think back then, what does his family think about this? Because I had heard things for a long time that she was, Giselle Bunchen was like ready for him to, to be a dad and a family guy. Because if you followed any Tom Brady stuff, he, he like, he probably doesn't spend a lot of time with his family and, and they miss him and he just loves football so much that that's what made him, that's what, what has made him so good. So he vanished from training camp for 11 days. Some people thought he was maybe shooting a, a, something for the the masked singer. Um, I think he was f- photographed on vacation somewhere. And then it, it maybe started to add up like, why would he go on vacation if this was accurate during training camp? Like both things are on the schedule. And I'm, I'm guessing he had to go because she said, you either go or I serve you with the kind of paper that Dave Gerke is the opposite end of. Like we're leaving. Um, and yeah, it would seem like he stepped away to work on his marriage. It's very possible. I, I mean, everything is compromise. And, you know, I 
I don't know their timeline, but I assume they got together when he was playing football. Yeah. And if you know that that is someone's true passion, you know, the you get to a certain point, you know, in physical activities, I would know, recovering dancer, your your body stops being able to do certain things. And that's it's heart-wrenching. And so anyone wants to do the thing they love as long as possible. So you have to understand that. Um, but there is compromise in the fact that if you have a family and you have a wife, you are a partnership and both people need what they need to be fulfilled. So it's, it's, let, let, I'm sure they had a conversation about the fact that he was going to be done and they were going to move on. Mm-hmm. But then if he has the opportunity to keep playing, what do you do? But. You know, there's also the chance of injury and the chance of of lifelong ailments that that's scary because the older you get, you know, you just you just I think he'll be okay. It's hard. She might be. I think she is beyond livid because I think she probably got a real solid. I'm retiring and I'm sure was as livid as anybody. And who knows what kind of conversation they had after that? Or did he just kind of be like, I'm going to go back. Did you take that up with her? Like, right. did she hear that along with everybody else? You don't know. She might be rooting for him to rip up his knee on the first play of the season, so he's home. I don't Kevin, know. You're, you're as you're about to get married, you know, the idea of compromise or, or someone hitting their wife with a, uh, yeah, I'll be home all the time. And then I'll set on second that, eh, I'm not going to be home a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that'd be incredibly aggravating to be on, on the other side. And like, yeah, I finally get to have time with my husband. And I know that he... I, they have a family. I know that much. Yeah, three kids, I think. Yeah, and I know that he like absolutely adores them. And then I, there were a whole bunch of stories when Michigan beat Ohio State of how excited he was and how much fun he was having with his kids in that moment, too. Right. Um, so I can't even imagine their side, even for his kids who are younger. I don't think any of them are in college yet, but no. I think they're getting to no. that point. I, I think, teenagers, I mean. I don't even Early think they're, teenagers, they might. The oldest one might be like 10 or 12. Now, oh, he, really? He has a, I think he has a kid with Bridget Moynihan, who was his hmm. first baby mama, um, and they broke up like in 07, and that's when he got with Giselle Bunch. So I think he has four kids. Okay. But he might have been quite absentee for the duration of his life. Yeah, and that's, I mean, even if those kids have the concept of being able to be like, yeah, my dad's Tom Brady. Like, <laughs> you know that's going to come with some things, but also at, some, at, at a certain point, there's to be like, I kind of just want to have some time right. with my dad. And okay. so I totally yeah, I get that. And honestly... You know, Tom Brady's been playing football for how long and he's been, you know, considered one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. I'm really ex- sorry. I'm really excited for football this year. I'm a Lions fan. I'm drinking the Lions Kool-Aid. So I'm oh, glad that we honey. were able to talk about football today. <laughs> oh. But, you know, if there is anybody that's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to dip out for about 11 days. I'm going to miss the preseason. It's probably going to be Tom Brady right. that's going to be able to walk right it. back right. in and then be able to throw a ball like it's nothing. Oh, oh yeah. Like, I, I, I think that's why the Bucks were e- easy with it. And you're, you're going to let Tom Brady do what he wants. Um, the Tom Brady rules, so to speak. But I do feel bad for his family because yeah. they have waited a long time. And he finally said, I'm going to retire. And then like two weeks later, unsurprisingly to me, he's like, nah. and you know what? For some people, um, maybe like back backup quarterback type. Sorry, I have a broken, I have a short-circuited headphone thing here. Um, <laughs> the, the Lions types quarterbacks, like if Jared Goff wants to play till he's 42, just to keep bringing in some money and he loves the game, fine. But 
Tom Brady does not need money. Yeah. Well, like, and he's he's he, a high profile situation. So like, if he's playing, everyone wants a piece of him. It's not you know somebody else that's a quarterback that's not really well known. You could probably just go home at night. If Tom Brady's playing football, you're never going to see him because he's going to be either on the field or in an interview or in training. Endorsement or, deals. D- yeah, I mean everything. Like it's that's a full time job lifestyle it's not it's not just a job so it that there's another layer of that i truly feel bad for his wife and and probably the kids too i mean Mm -hmm. to your point like they're tom brady's kids there's i think didn't he wasn't he at uh michigan stadium for that game with his kids i think he was at home for that game but i know he has been at games before with his family because i mean he gets his roots right Right. It'd be hard to go back. And I know that he's always said that his son is going to play for Michigan and beat Ohio State. No Um, pressure or anything. But I know that on the other hand, his wife is, uh, it's Giselle, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Giselle has always said, like, you got to let him choose his own path. If he doesn't want to do football, then it's not football. So I I know that they've had that. Being like, yeah, my dad's Tom Brady. I'm going to go try to play football. Good luck, bro. They seem like two alpha personalities who get what they want. And she seemed to be quite compromising for the duration of his, I'll call him the greatest quarterback ever. I, I felt so bad for her when that tweet came out on Sunday night that he was coming back. Like, I can't imagine how much her heart sank or the dishes she pulled out of their very expensive kitchen and started throwing. Well, and I wonder if she does understand the other aspect. Because I get what you're right. saying, Bethany, when... when you've done something for your entire life and you're really passionate about it. It is really hard to give up. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I joked about the quartet and, you know, not having a quartet anymore, but that really is, there's always that little itch in the back of your mind. That's like, man, I could just do music for the rest of my life. That'd be great. Right. And I'm sure Tom has had to wrestle with that his entire life. And I wonder if Giselle also understands that a little bit that yeah. I wonder if it, that compromise is like, all right, you're going to miss preseason, but you know, this is it. This is, this is truly it. I wonder if that's what they, yeah. they came to. Yeah. Um, her husband fell off of a ladder last week. It was a wonderful video only because he was okay. Okay. All right. I was about to ask that. <laughs> I'm relatively okay. He's still very black and blue and swollen, yeah. but want to give us the, the quick version on, on that and bring Kevin up to speed. What happened was he was going to, climb a ladder and crawl up on the roof to then walk over to trim some trees or trim the tree in our front yard and made it to the top rung of the ladder but he put it he set it on the asphalt up against the garage and so the bottom of the ladders slipped Uh and the only thing that saved him from breaking his leg into a million pieces was he grabbed the eaves trough on the way down so it kind of stopped his momentum. But, like, his foot went through the rungs of the ladder. And, like, he landed, like, feet first. At... I thought for sure he broke something. But I don't think he did because Grizzly video. he walked away. But he's he's still banged up. Ouch. He's still banged up. Yeah. How banged up? Like, is he still icing? Is he still sore, black and blue? Um, He's still black and blue. He's not really icing. Um, The bee stings that he got then the next day or a couple <laughs> days later. It was followed up with bee stings? Oh, yeah, because he thought he was going to take on this hive of garbage bees, trash bees, at his parents' house in the country, and then he got stung. And so that's bothering him more than him falling off the roof and ladder. Hey, listen. Do you think Josh would cut down some big tree branches in my backyard? Uh, I'm going to say no. 
but I'm sure you can get a nice person to uh, they gave do me, that for you. They gave me an estimate of 450. I think I'd rather give the money to Josh if he was able. We to We got it. an estimate to just cut down the tree in the front of our house. How much was it? I don't know yet. Okay. I think he was driving by today okay. to give it to us, but I'm sure it'll be like 1,200 bucks. Uh, Kevin, where where what do you live now? I live in Point Place. Ah, the point. The numbered the point. streets. The point, yes. It's really confusing. Don't let anybody from the point it's so confusing. tell you that. Oh, it makes more sense. We got the number system. It I goes think one, even two, if I one. lived in the point, I would have to use GPS because the numbers don't make sense. Yeah. Wait, why, and they're on diagonals Why, why are you telling other? me that 293rd Street is then followed by 295th Street and you're telling me that makes sense? Sure. Yeah. 295th could be the next number that follows, but where's 294th? Oh, it's on the other side it's not connected no matter what but if you really think about it no give me the names i i'm gonna do much better with names don't give me the numbers then it becomes a math equation on where i have to go what, what brought you there um deborah she lived out that she way she lived out in point place and then um we were at a point where we had to go and buy a house and we we're like oh we're gonna get out of the point we don't want to live in the point we want to live somewhere else and yada 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 Plus and you then have a million dogs. Well, well not two a million dogs, dogs but we they're don't, two no, giant not a million dogs. dogs, but they are big dogs. One <laughs> is like a horse, and the other one's like 120 pounds. What are their names? Uh, we have Gerald uh, and Freya. Gerald is a blue tick hound, and Freya is a Great Pyrenees. When we're done, I want to see. I'd like to see pictures. Oh sure, yeah, I got plenty. Uh, yeah, me too, <laughs> me too. Um, what do you I, do? You have to wind up working like a lot of weekends, or is your sta- schedule pretty standard? It depends. If I want to work weekends. Then I'll work weekends. They'll but, take, but, your, they'll take but, your hand. Yeah, Monday through Friday, I'll, it, it's normally eight to five, um, so I'm on that typical schedule. But you know, typically, if we have community partners that want to come out, I'm always going to be there to to I, like I love that aspect of my job too. I love meeting new people and hearing their stories, um, you know, and, and taking in that input. It's always a part of that listening. So if somebody's like, "Hey, I'm coming into the zoo on Saturday," I'm like. Sure. Me yeah, too. I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to see if you were going to be there Thursday, but I knew we had this set up and I didn't want to bug you. And I knew I just never bugging me. Well, good to know. Good to know. Um, what was my Careful last what question? Uh, what do you do on the weekends? I know we talked about movies after our podcast before. What do you do for in your downtime or weekends or whatever? Oh, my gosh. Go to Deb's gigs. <laughs> what, yeah. does, what does Deb do? Deb, Deb is a music teacher. Um, she is the assistant band director at Start right now, but on the weekends, she normally is playing gigs galore. Um, steel band, percussion, you name it. So where, where at? Uh, anywhere and All everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really any place that, that can hire them. I know for a while they were doing some, some bar gigs. Um, they do some festivals over the summer. Uh, all those different things. Anything they can get, loves to play music. So, so typically I'll be there with Deb, um, doing that but you know on the other on the other side you know i have some people that when i went to school with movies are always a good you know what's the last movie you saw the last movie i saw i saw a bullet train did you like it was it good you know i don't want to sound like yes and no i don't want to so yeah no. that's probably the best way so here's the thing whenever i talk about movies or art just art in general critically and i'm like yeah it's fine people are always like oh my gosh you hate it I'm like no, it's fine. There's not you like know, I got liked it. aspects and I didn't like aspects. Yeah, so it's in the middle of a road and then give it a five out of ten. And you know I hate doing numerical values on things, but they're like, but what do you think? What do you think? <laughs> five out of ten. Oh, so you hate it? No, <laughs> Bullet Train is is very much. I didn't know it was a book beforehand. Now oh, I kind of want to read the book. I didn't either. Uh, 
I'd say the first half of it, so eh, the first two acts, really, I didn't like it. I really didn't like it. Like, I really did think about just like, I don't know if I want to sit through this. I kind of want to just leave because it felt very random at times for the sake of being random. Like, oh, TikTok's big. Let's be TikTok. Um, yeah. It didn't do it really well. But then when you got towards the end and everything started to come together with storylines and everything that they were building up, because that was something that they did. They did have little minuscule things that they were, they were setting up for the end that were going to play a big part. Um, I won't spoil it for anybody, but it is very big on fate and what fate has in store for you. So it made sense throughout the realm of the story of what they were trying to tell. But it really did take a long time for it to hit. But once it did hit, I was like, yeah, this is I like this. This is good. I wanted to go because I have been all about the John Wickification of fight (laughs) movies. Yeah. Um, The choreography of a couple of friends of mine got me into... God, uh, have you ever seen Old Boy? The, I have this, the original one. The original one. Um, they got me into that, and they're like, "There's some other movies like The Raid, and there is an actor who was in Star Wars movie. I can't pronounce his name. Vietnamese, perhaps. Like the choreography is brilliant. And I'm not mm. one much for foreign movies in a lot of cases, but these movies, they're not about plots. It's a guy walking through up and down stairs. It's all hallway fights and crazy. Um, that's why what Bullet Train uh, appealed to me. And I think I draw all that back to John Wick, just how it changed fighting in movies. Well, and you know what? I'm really happy about that because there is so many action movies will just give you the shaky cam because they're like, oh, we want to make you feel Michael like Bay. you're in it. Yeah. Right. It's so disorienting mm-hmm. and you don't see anything. So you're not intrigued because your brain just kind of turns off, you know, regardless of. If you're a movie goer, you know, a movie snob, all those different things. I think there's a certain point where the gobbledygook in your brain is just like, oh, you don't like this. Right. It doesn't make sense. And I think a lot of times those those action scenes where they're like, oh, hard camera cut. Oh, shake. Oh, lens flare. They're just doing it for the sake of doing it to make it look cool, but it's not actually. But where when John Wick came out, I really loved the first one because it is, you see everything. It's choreographed. It's, yeah. I, I think there's multiple scenes where it's just one take. Um are you familiar with the the Daredevil? Did you watch the Daredevil show on Netflix? I watched the first season when I was in high school. I don't remember too much of it, but the I ha- do remember the hallway, hallway scene. scene. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's much more intriguing to me. That is harder to make, too. Yeah. So I think people will respect the craft whether or not they know how much goes into directing, producing, film editing, um, cinematography, et cetera. I, I think you can just recognize that that's great craft uh what's the movie you're looking forward to seeing i don't know that's the sad thing there haven't there hasn't been too many movies and i'm like yeah i'm ready for it i've been really going through a lot of the old movies that i really enjoyed so uh fun fact no matter what it's just an internal clock within me that january hits and i want to watch interstellar i've watched interstellar (laughs) maybe like 12 (laughs) times it's not my favorite movie of all time i can't say it's my favorite movie of all time is it the movie that i've seen the most yeah. Probably. Interesting. Yeah. I've seen it all the time and I just have, it, it just it needs to kick in at, in January. But um, I've been going through a lot of the older movies that I may have not appreciated as much as a kid or it got to the point where, you know, maybe I really did like it and now I really don't like it. But mm-hmm. um, it's funny that you bring up Old Boy because it's really hard to get a, a, a copy of the original so I've heard. Old Boy, um, not the one with... What's his name? Was it Josh Josh Brolin? I think it was Josh Brolin yeah. that did the remake. Um, and that was not good. 
But the original <laughs> old boy, if you can find the original old boy, it is great. There is a YouTube channel called yourmoviesucks.org. Um, <laughs> nice. He did an entire analysis on the film. I think it's two parts comparing the old one and the new one. And it talks about know how great that old because if you want to watch the original old boy just as like an action flick you certainly can but as also a psychological drama it is probably one of the best out there uh spoiler doesn't he sleep with his daughter yes it's messed up yeah <laughs> it's it's messed up and it yeah. throws him for a loop and i think in the new one they don't really they don't make it as impactful but the first one you can you can feel that gun wrench just activity within his stomach and then you can feel his train of thought through like oh my god i can't i can't what am what am i uh it's really cool to dive into that person's psyche it's it's messed up though it's funny you, you talk about movies that we change our opinions on and i can find endearing things on some of the really lousy nine the, the movies that killed batman like <laughs> i <laughs> I can watch the Mr. Freeze scenes and giggle a little bit and the the over a top over the top bombast of Joel Schumacher's movies and and so I watched the uh long before your time but I grew up right before I hit with Transformers there was a show called He-Man yeah. and it's come back a little bit now and there was uh, an 80s live version of it with Frank Langella as Skeletor, Dolph Lundgren as He-Man and I watched it not long ago. First of all, there was an end credit scene and I'm like Wow, I thought Marvel started this, but I watched these and they're 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 horrific movies. But I find something endearing about them. Sometimes you need to have that kind of crap in your life. What is what is it? What, I, the schlock is probably the best way to describe it. Sometimes you need those movies to then set your standards. You can't just always be watching eight out of ten, nine out of ten yeah. films because then. They start to get stale, and you're, then you get too nitpicky. You get to that point where you're the friend that nobody wants to see a movie with because you find everything wrong with it and nothing right. They're the Doritos of yeah, movie watching. Yeah, it's comfort food. Yes. I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll watch Stuart Little, the movie. Heck, Terrible yes, movie, Stuart Little. But it was fine. But it's great. It's great. And then you also see other films that are really good, like Shrek. I know Shrek was a cultural phenomenon when mm-hmm. it came out, but now you see it as a meme phenomenon. Quote unquote right. kid movies are so great when they really <laughs> technically cater to adults because you see it as a kid. Well, I wasn't really a kid, but like you watch it when it first came out and then you watch it as a grown adult mm-hmm. and you're like, this is hilarious yeah. because you get so much more out of it because they were really catering toward the parents. You know what I mean? Yeah. When uh, I was dating somebody from TSA four years ago, and I went with her to go see the second Incredibles. Okay. She loved it. We'll get her out of here in a second. And then um, I had her son for the day, and I'm like, let's go see Incredibles. He was completely disinterested in it because that movie Aww. was made for her because when the first one came out. Yep. Yeah. So to your point, Bethany. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the visit. Let, let me know how I can help you anytime. Always happy to do it. And if you come to the zoo, just let me know. I will. I will. I don't go enough. And I could pop over there a bunch since it's right down the street from work. Well, we'll get you out there enough. And then, you know, maybe we can get you a, a book of quotes from David Gerke. And then you can decipher through mm. them whether they're we, we, philosophical do, or not. You want to do a David, Dave Gerke quote or not? We can do that for the, another game. Oh, I. that's easy. Okay. I got a ton. Does Maddie <laughs> does Maddie want to do anything on the uh, on the podcast? Uh, Maddie, do you want to say hi? Maddie, we've talked about you for two years. You huh? want to tell them that you're watching Gabby's Dollhouse? Are you cranky? 
What did you have for lunch? Did you have a hot dog? Maddie, I hate to tell you this, but it's better from me than from your mom. Um, we were doing this while she was trying to push you out of her. Yeah. When you were trying to come out, I was talking on the podcast. Isn't that cool? That's a real thing. That, that's that, not a joke. That's no, not a. That's not a labor. bit. Oct- oh, that's not a bit. Okay. October of 2020, uh, rampaging October COVID. 9th. Rampaging COVID. Check out the episode. I was still doing the morning show. <laughs> it, it was like seven o'clock in the morning. My ex-co-host Floyd and I were recording. I get a message from Bethany because it's Friday. Are we recording today? You're in fucking labor. What are you talking about? And I was on plenty of good drugs. Yes. That was good. Yes. Yes. And it was something. It is out there for posterity. Jeez. Thanks for the visit. I appreciate it. Happy, to, Glad Ma- that you could have me. Maddie, say bye. Say bye. <laughs>